It's Saturday, November the 28th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, an assassinated scientist and a shrunken economy. First, the week in brief. Iran's Ministry of Defense said that Mohsen Fakhrizadeh, widely regarded as the father of Iran's nuclear program, was shot dead in the town of Absad, 70 kilometers east of Tehran. Iran called it an act of state terrorism. Its suspicions will inevitably fall on Israel, widely held responsible for the assassination of four Iranian nuclear scientists between 2010 and 2012, and America. The killing may complicate any effort by Joe Biden's incoming administration to revive the nuclear agreement of 2015 that limited Iran's nuclear program in return for easing sanctions. Tensions have increased since President Donald Trump withdrew from the deal in 2018. America has imposed increasingly severe sanctions on Iran, which has refined ever-increasing quantities of uranium, and both sides have repeatedly threatened military escalation. India's GDP shrank by 7.5% year-on-year in the three months to the end of September. That follows a record drop of 24% in the previous quarter, triggered by a strict nationwide lockdown to fight COVID-19. Although forecasters said the economy had fared better than predicted, mostly because businesses had reopened, India is now officially suffering its first recession in decades. A federal appeals court in Pennsylvania chucked out a Trump campaign attempt to strike off millions of legitimate votes from the presidential election in November. The president's lawyers alleged massive fraud, but a judge who was appointed by Mr. Trump slammed the case, saying charges require specific allegations and then proof. We have neither here. A lower court had earlier dismissed it as haphazardly stitched together. Having accused Australia of using subsidies to dump underpriced plonk on the Chinese market, China announced tariffs of up to 212% on Australian wine. The move is the latest instance of a long-term decline in Sino-Australian relations. Simon Birmingham, Australia's trade minister, said they would amount to a devastating blow for Australian business. China buys 42% of Australia's wine exports. Alexander Lukashenko, Belarus's self-proclaimed president, said he will resign once the country has adopted a new constitution. Belarus has been gripped by large-scale protests and police violence since Mr Lukashenko stole the presidential election on August 9th. Opponents say his talk of constitutional change is merely an attempt to buy time. Mr Lukashenko did not set a date for his advertised resignation. Two Spanish banks, BBVA and Sabadell, scrapped merger talks after they failed to agree on a price. Combined, the pair would have controlled up to a quarter of Spain's market for loans, deposits and mutual funds. Sabadell, the smaller of the two, says it plans to focus on its home market. That suggests it may sell TSB, a British bank it has owned since 2015. And Wilton Gregory, the Archbishop of Washington, will become the first African-American cardinal in history on Saturday. His installation, which will be conducted by Pope Francis in Rome, comes as Augustus Tolton, the first recognized African-American Catholic priest, is being considered for sainthood. Archbishop Gregory made headlines by slamming President Trump for clearing protesters to pose in front of a church. And now, here's today's agenda. Kohli out, India's batsman takes paternity leave. 
Yesterday's One Day International, won easily by the hosts, opened the Indian national cricket team's two-month tour of Australia. They are due to play two more one-dayers, three 2020 games and four five-day test matches. The tour is a mouth-watering prospect. India are widely considered the world's best test team and Australia is one of the toughest places to visit. But a star attraction will miss most of the test series. The Indian captain Virat Kohli plans to go home on paternity leave after the first match. Though such absences are not uncommon, cricketers have often kept them short. In 2016, the England captain Alistair Cook flew home from Bangladesh for the arrival of his second child, but headed back to the crease 18 hours after the birth. Mr Kohli is breaking new ground by not returning to Australia. Given the prestige of the tour and his status as India's talisman, his bold decision may set a precedent. Random Acts of Kindness Dear Santa, Santa Claus has been among the United States Postal Service's top addressees since just after the Civil War. Thomas Nast, the father of the American cartoon and supposed popularizer of the idea that Father Christmas resides at the North Pole, depicted Santa staring forlornly at the towering pile of letters on his desk. In 1912, Frank Hitchcock, the Postmaster General, decided to help him out. He began Operation Santa, which allowed postal workers to reply to youngsters' letters. By the 1940s, there was so much mail that charities were asked to help. Dear Santa, a new documentary, looks at how the program works today. Participants are encouraged to adopt a child's missive, penning a reply or organising a gift. Whether a child's request is naughty or nice might sway them. Many request toys or a new pet. Some express gratitude for their family. Others ask only that Santa helps those in need. Homespun confectionery mask making. Months into the COVID-19 response, shortages in N95 surgical face masks still occur. Many people who aren't health workers but still want N95s and can't get hold of them jerry-rig homemade cloth masks which researchers say are less effective. In response, a physicist at the Okinawa Institute of Science and Technology in Japan has developed an ingenious method for making effective masks. Mahesh Bandi's fabrication process, described in Proceedings of the Royal Society A, takes inspiration from the art of confectionery. He modified a commercial candy floss machine, which works by melting sugar and spinning it centrifugally through tiny holes to take common household plastics like shopping bags and bottles. As the material rapidly cools, it forms a fine mesh which Dr. Bandy fitted to specialised masks. Filtration tests found that these were just as effective as standard N95s. The only drawback, a potential shortage in candy floss machines. Slanging Match 2020 in Words Every year, the Oxford English Dictionary's lexicographers announce their word of the year. Past picks have included Post-Truth, 2016, Selfie, 2013, and controversially the Tears of Joy emoji, 2015. But no single word can capture the strangeness of 2020. The English language, like all of us, has had to adapt rapidly and repeatedly this year, the OED's publisher said. It has instead released a report on changes in language usage in 2020 entitled Words of an Unprecedented Year. Lockdown, face masks and key workers are predictably popular, while the use of pandemic has increased by 57,000% since 2019. 
Uses of unmute jumped by 500% after March thanks to millions of hours of Zoom calls. Certain phrases have also spiked. Use of following the science, for example, rose by 1,000%. Not all are COVID-related, but most speak to how unusual the year has been. QAnon, Black Lives Matter and conspiracy theory all feature too. Singing the Blues, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom With his Pittsburgh Cycle, a collection of ten plays about African-American life in the 20th century, August Wilson sought to capture the poetry in the everyday language of black America. The Wilson estate has granted Denzel Washington permission to produce all of Wilson's works for the screen. Fences, based on a Pulitzer and Tony-winning play, was released in 2016 and won an Oscar for Viola Davis. She appears again as the title character in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which had a limited theatrical release this week and will stream on Netflix from December 18th. Ma Rainey, known for her moaning vocal style as the mother of the blues, is shown grappling with her band, her nephew and her white managers while recording a new album. But the critics' pick for best performance has been the late Chadwick Boseman, who plays an ambitious, impetuous trumpeter. Mr. Boseman's final film role may also be his best. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Enid Blyton, who died on this day in 1968. The best way to treat obstacles is to use them as stepping stones. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.